this evening. Thank you for being here tonight. We thank the Lord for his uh, ministry of his great presence this morning. Amen. We thank the Lord uh, for Daniel Cephas being baptized in the name of Jesus. Amen. Glory to God. All right. Amen. We thank God for that. And uh, we love this family so much thank the Lord for all that he's doing in their lives and the lives of so many. Amen. In this day and in this hour, the Lord is doing a great work. Praise God. I want to turn your attention to the book of James, the book of James and the fifth chapter. I don't intend to take long tonight, uh, but I just want to try to feed you uh, by the grace of God, something that the Lord has fed my spirit with, and hopefully it'll, it will bless you. Amen. James chapter 5 and verse 16, a passage of scripture that reveals so much. James chapter 5 and verse 16, confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Elias, or Elijah, was a man subject to like passions as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. Hallelujah. I think that's a beautiful statement. The heaven gave rain and the earth brought forth her fruit. I want to say that again. The heaven gave rain and the earth brought forth her fruit. I want to concentrate our attention, though, on the last part of verse 16. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. By the grace of God, I'd like to speak to you for just a few moments tonight on prayer that avails much. Prayer that avails much. Could we go to the Lord together in prayer? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. It is life to our soul. It is life to our being. I pray, O God, that as we declare your word tonight, through the teaching and the preaching of the word, that it will feed us and equip us, O God, for your purpose to advance your kingdom. Hallelujah. 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 For your kingdom is not meat and drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Have your way tonight, O God. Quicken us as we receive your word, that your word may cause us to live more abundantly. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen and amen. God bless you. In the name of the Lord, you may be seated. Christian believer who is not praying is a tragic, a tragic case, a tragic situation. Uh, for prayer has a power that is unparalleled. And because many do not exercise this beautiful thing we call prayer uh, so much is lost and so much is unaccounted for. 
But if we would understand the true power of prayer and employ prayer as it should be employed and utilize prayer the way that God intends for us to utilize prayer, uh, we would see on a much larger scale the glory and the power of God manifest. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor. Neighbor. Not everybody said it, so let's do it again. Neighbor. I need to be praying more. That is not to make you feel guilty or to put pressure on you, but it is to hopefully help awaken you to the fact that God has given you this beautiful gift called prayer. And so many times you suffer needlessly with certain things. Some sufferings are of necessity, but some sufferings are not of necessity. And uh, I love the way the old hymn puts it. What a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what needless pain we bear. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. I think it's stated very well in that old hymn. Because it is so true, there are, there are burdens you are bearing that are needless for you to bear. They belong in the prayer room. They belong at the foot of the cross. They belong at, in God's hands. Another old song said, take your burdens to the Lord and leave them there. Leave them there. Leave them there. Take your burdens to the Lord and leave them there. And so it's very important that we never forget uh, how important it is to be in prayer. It is a gift from God. Prayer is a gift from God. It's, it's like God gave you a cell phone that can call anywhere in the spirit. And, uh, and it doesn't matter where you are, what continent you're on, what circumstances you're in. You can pull out that cell phone and get a hold of God. And we so many times just suffer through things when, when we don't need to do that. We need to be in constant communication with the Lord. Let me tell you what the Apostle Paul said about prayer. He said, I would that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and without doubting. He also said this. Pray without ceasing. Never stop praying. Let prayer constantly be coming across your lips. Let it continually be coming up and out of your heart unto the Lord. Because it makes a difference. It makes a difference. So let's look at what the scripture says. The scripture says, The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. We want availing prayer. How many want to participate in availing prayer? Now, Notice I did not say prevailing prayer. We get them mixed up sometimes. We don't pay a lot of attention to that word availing. We, we chalk it up because it rhymes. And if it rhymes, then that's what it means, right? We just do that a lot of times. Prevailing prayer. And, and, and we thank God for prevailing prayer. We thank God for travailing prayer. But I'm talking about availing prayer. Because availing prayer is just that. It's prayer that avails to you the powers of God and the powers of heavenly things. 
There are so many things available to you that you and I often go without because we don't realize that the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails all of the glory and all of the power and all of the majesty and all of the might of God. It avails those things to you and I. And so prayer, there is a prayer that avails much. Stuff that this world knows nothing about. Stuff you can't get from an infomercial. Stuff you can't order off of Amazon. Stuff you can't Google. I'm talking about stuff that comes from heaven. Prayer can avail those things to you. Prayer can avail powers to you and to your family and to your life. Powers that confound the adversary who has a target on you. Prayer can avail the glory of God to come into your life, hallelujah, and cause peace that passes understanding, joy that is unspeakable and full of glory, hallelujah, hope that maketh not ashamed, faith that moves mountains. Prayer can do that. But, but we have to understand what kind of prayer. Vain repetition won't do that. And just throwing up a flippant little howdy-doody every now and then won't do that. But the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man, that's the prayer that avails much. So we want to understand these things. We want to understand effectual and fervent, and we want to understand the righteous person. The effectual, fervent prayer is a prayer that refers to active prayer, operative prayer. Prayer that is in operation, that is active. This means you're going to have to take time to pray. You read the Psalms and compare the Psalms that are prayers. They're they're songs, but they're prayers. And you compare them to the prayers that you pray and that I pray. And notice the difference. Notice the time that the psalmist took in in explaining his heart to God. Notice the detail that he put into really sorting out what he was trying to say to the Lord. So many things that the psalmist would say and he would deliver his soul unto God in prayer. He would pour out his heart in prayer. I want everybody to understand that there's nothing that you should ever feel you shouldn't pray about. Anything that you find challenging is absolutely to be made a matter of prayer. You're looking for faith? Ask God to give you faith. Are you looking for a solution to a situation? Ask God to solve that situation. Are you looking for somebody to be saved? Ask God to save them. Is there somebody that needs healing? Ask God to heal them. If, and, and, and listen to this. Ask God to reveal to you His will. Ask the Lord this, Lord, show me how I should pray. Say to him, Lord, show me how I should feel about a situation. Lord, deliver me from hatred. Lord, deliver me from bitterness. Lord, deliver me from self-righteousness. Deliver me from resentment in my heart. Deliver me from envy. Don't let any covetousness get in my spirit. Don't let any anger, wrath, or malice get a hold of me. Help me not be deceived. Because the dangerous thing about being deceived is that you don't know you're deceived. 
until the deception has taken its toll on you. That's why it's called deception. You don't know that it's happening until it's done. You were, in fact, deceived. You can pray to the Lord and say, God, order my steps, direct my thoughts, and help me to avoid being deceived. There is nothing that you cannot go to God and pray about. In fact, if you're praying amiss, active prayer, operative prayer, effectual and fervent prayer will give God the opportunity to correct you in the way you're praying. There have been many times where I've been praying to God and I've been effectual and I've been fervent and I've been active and operative in my prayer. And God will step into my prayer and say, I hear what you're saying, but you're not praying the right prayer. So I'm going to shift you over into praying the right prayer. I wouldn't have known how to pray if I weren't active, operative, effectual, and fervent in my prayer. So you don't have to be like a prayer titian. You don't have to be like a prayer theologian in order to touch the throne of God. Have a sincere heart. Have a humble heart. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and let it all out. Tell him everything. Tell him what you need. Tell him what you feel. Give him license to correct you. Give him license to direct your thoughts and your words. And ladies and gentlemen, you will enter into an effectual and fervent prayer life. Hallelujah. It is powerful what happens in prayer. We spoke today in the message about a prayer meeting that took place in Acts chapter 12. It was concerning the apostle Peter. And the apostle Peter had been taken to prison. And he was likely to be a martyr. He was probably going to face the same, uh, very same thing that James, where we read from, would face. And Peter was, was put in prison and the scripture says that the saints began to pray. And when they began to pray, while they're in their prayer meeting, they don't even know that God is already actively answering their prayers. But while they're praying, the Lord is dispatching angels to do what they're asking God to do. I want you to know very clearly that when you pray, there is angelic activity that occurs. Now, you're not ordering the angels around, sending them to do their task. Your prayers belong between you and God, not between you and angels. It's between you and God. But God will dispatch angels. The scripture says, as ministering spirits to the heirs of salvation. Hallelujah. So when you pray, you can rest assured that things are happening in the spirit. It's very important to understand that because I think sometimes people begin to pray and the reason that they hesitate to pray is because they feel that perhaps uh, the prayer is not accomplishing much. Sometimes they don't feel like, like much is happening because prayer itself is a step of faith. You're literally speaking and you don't see anybody on the receiving end. And you don't hear anybody with your natural, audible, perceiving ears. All you know is that when you speak, God hears your prayer. So you pray by faith in the power of God. You pray by faith in the power of Jesus' name. You pray by faith in the power of the blood. You by, pray by faith in the love of God. You pray by faith in the might of God. And you can know, hallelujah, that God is doing the work. The power 
amen, is in the prayer. The power is in the prayer. It's not so much what you do as it is what the prayer is doing. So when you're praying, you can know something is happening in the Holy Ghost. Press into it. Hallelujah. Call upon the power of God. Hold him to his word. Bring his word to him and say, Lord, your word declares and I believe. Your word says and I stand upon it. Your word, hallelujah, has instructed me and I follow after your word. And as you pray, know in your heart that the Lord is working on your behalf. I'm talking about active prayer, operative prayer, effectual prayer, fervent prayer. And you're never wasting your time when you pray. It bothers me when I read these, these statements on social media from people who apparently don't know the power of prayer. Who say things like, we don't need prayer, we need action. Let me tell you something, the most incredible action amazing action that any person can really engage in is the beautiful action the powerful action of effectual fervent prayer hallelujah because when you go into prayer you are petitioning the mighty God of heaven and earth and he is dispatching the resources available there's that word available and when you effectually and fervently pray hallelujah you are availing the resources of God to the circumstances hallelujah Effectual prayer, fervent prayer, active prayer, operative prayer, continual prayer, consistent prayer, hallelujah, selfless prayer. Get lost in praying. Don't set the alarm to tell you when you fixed your or finished your obligated period of time. Pray, pray, pray until you feel him. Pray until, until you're fulfilled. Pray until the burden lifts. Hallelujah. Pray. Hallelujah. Until you've touched the throne of God. Pray. Hallelujah. Until you can feel God in action. God in motion. This is the effectual, fervent prayer that avails much. And so it happened in the book of Acts. The angels of the Lord were delivering Peter even while the early church prayed. They didn't even realize it was happening. They just prayed, 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 and their prayers touched heaven. And God responded, and it was happening. So prayer, one of the things prayer does is it causes a divine reaction. Now, it, it can happen in heaven and still take a little while to manifest on earth. I want to say that again. It can happen in heaven and still take a little time to manifest itself on earth. It reminds me of when, of when Jesus was on the, the bow of the boat and he looked at the storm and he said to the storm something kind of perplexing. He said, peace, be still. Peace, be still. Sounded redundant, but I don't believe it was redundant. I believe he was addressing two different storms. I believe he was giving peace to the storm going on in the lives, in the minds, the emotions of the disciples. But speaking, be still to the storm on the waters. And the reason I think that is because that's what he's done for me. Hallelujah. When I'm all up in arms about something and I don't know exactly how to handle something, so many times God will step into my storm and say, peace. And all of my worrying stops. 
and all of my fearing comes into check and all of my doubting and all of my anxiety and all of my anxiousness comes into check and then it might be I don't know it might be the very you know a split second that he says be still but it might be five minutes might be 15 minutes might be another hour might be another day a week a month a year or a decade that he stills the storm but the fact is that he can give you peace even while the storm is raging on and you can literally sing in the rain dance in the rain have peace when others are throwing their hands up in despair you're looking around saying I don't know how to explain it it's a peace that passes all understanding but prayer will touch heaven hallelujah and you can know that heaven is active even when it takes a little while for heaven's resources to manifest themselves on earth and so we see in the book of Acts chapter 4 we see a beautiful prayer meeting this was after the Peter and John and the men of the early church were were called into account for the miracle done to the lame man at the gate called beautiful and we read what happens they end up having a prayer meeting and the Bible says that here's their prayer they come together in verse 29 of Acts chapter 4 and now Lord, behold their threatenings. They were being threatened by the government with physical violence, death, persecution. And so they go to God in prayer. They didn't go cower, worry about it, cry, fret, complain, gripe, grumble, mumble. No, 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 no. None of that is, none of that is effective. Only prayer is effective. So they went to God in prayer. And they said, now, Lord, behold their threatenings and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word by stretching forth thine hand to heal Hallelujah, that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And they began to speak the word of God with boldness. So that's an earthly manifestation of something that happened in heaven. Prayer always causes a divine reaction. And it can come in, the for, in many forms. Sometimes it comes in a deeply settled peace where all of a sudden you'll be praying, you'll be speaking in tongues, calling on God, calling on the Holy Ghost fire to fall, asking God to intervene, asking God to move upon a set of circumstances. You don't even know what to pray for as you are, so you begin to pray in tongues and the Spirit makes intercession for you. And then all at once, it lifts. That's the equivalent of when the place was shaken where they were assembled together. That's the equivalent divine reaction. Because look what follows. After the place is shaken together. It's God's way of saying. I heard you. And I'm going to do. What you're asking me to do. He shook the building. And you know. Before you say that doesn't happen. That happened in the history of this church. You can go down to the corner of Walnut and McMicken today. To the. To the one-story building, and there are three-story buildings all down that, down that block until you get to the end of the block. And when you get to the end of the block, there's a one-story building. It's the building where First Apostolic Church was first conducting services. Pastor Frank Kurtz and Sister Kurtz lived in the church building. They lived on the third floor. He became sick unto death. He was deathly ill. And the church gathered together and 
came to pray for him. Hallelujah. They went to that upper third room. Brother Ken Wilson, your mother was there. Amen. And they went to that third story room and prayed the prayer of faith over their pastor. And the Lord healed his body. And when the Lord healed his body, the Lord shook the building. Glory to God. And the top two stories had to be condemned because the building shook so violently under the power of God. Go there today. Drive there tomorrow. Walnut and McMicken. There's three stories, three stories, three stories. You get to that last building and there's only one story. I like that because there really is only one story. Hallelujah. And I'm not ashamed of this story for it's the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes. Hallelujah. God responds to prayer. There's a divine reaction. That peace that settles on your soul when you're praying, that's a divine reaction. That still small voice that tells you it's going to be all right, that's a divine reaction. Hallelujah. That faith that wells up inside of you and gives you a direction on what next step to take, that's a divine reaction to the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man and a righteous woman. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Notice what happens after the place shook where they were assembled together. Verse 32. The multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul. Neither said any of them that aught of the things which he possessed was his own. But they had all things common. And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. Folks, that's a miracle. That is an absolute Holy Ghost, apostolic, New Testament miracle. My goodness, you couldn't go around telling people that, that they, needed to, they needed to sell their possessions and take care of one another. They'd resist, resist, resist. We all would. It's an act of God. It's an act of prayer. It comes to pass when people are praying in one mind and one accord. Hallelujah. And heaven responds. And the, 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 the power of heaven's reaction is that it generates a oneness among the people. Neither was there any among them that lacked. For as many as were possessors of lands or houses sold them. Folks, that's, that's a real amazing revival. They brought the prices of the things that were sold. They laid them down at the apostles' feet. Distribution was made unto every man according as he had need. No government was forcing this. This was the work of the Holy Ghost. Governments will try to force something like this, tell you not to believe in God, and, 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 and they'll try to... They'll try to enrich themselves off of having people sell their lands. But when God does a work, you don't need a government to enforce anything. When the Holy Ghost is doing the work, it's not a matter of being forced. It's a matter of the Holy Ghost doing a divine work in the hearts of men and women. Hallelujah. And the Bible says that they made distribution unto every man according as he had need. There's a divine revival. How did it happen? Prayer. Effectual, fervent prayer. 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 Active prayer. Operative prayer. People began to pray and it began to move. The Holy Ghost began to move in their lives. So, what is the secret to prayer that avails much? Active prayer. Effectual prayer. Fervent prayer. Hallelujah. Not vain repetition. But going to God and meaning business, talking to God, 
being real with God, being active about it, not obligatory, active. They said, teach us to pray. Jesus said, when you pray, pray in this manner. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Hallelujah. He said, he said lead us not into temptation. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. I want to concentrate on forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. I want to concentrate on that for just a moment. Because there's, a, there's this matter of prayer that's often overlooked. And it's this matter. If you have something... Between you and God, you have to get that resolved between you and God. You have to say, Lord, forgive me. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. You have to lay it down in prayer and say, God, if there's anything in me that's not like you, I lay it down. You have to repent. This is what James was talking about. He refers to it in two ways in James chapter 5. First, he said, confess your faults one to another. Now, he's not saying go blast all your business on Facebook and tell everybody how bad you are. That's not what he's doing. He's talking about you need to really deal with your faults. Confessing of faults one to another is you really getting the help you need in a particular fault. And when you confess a fault, what you're doing is you're releasing yourself from the stranglehold of secret sin. Secret sin has a stranglehold that other types of sins don't have because it, it festers in that secret part of you and, it, and, it, and it, it, it actually relishes the bondage that it holds you in. But when you bring it out into the open and you say, this is my struggle and this is my fault and I'm laying it down before God and I'm releasing it out of my life right now in the name of Jesus, then you remove from that secret sin the power that it holds on you. That is important in your prayer life. You go to God about a bunch of different things and you've got this, this fault that is lingering inside of you. This iniquity that is lingering inside of you. I want you to know that is a real impediment to your prayer. Now notice, it is not simply the effectual fervent of anybody that avails much. It's not the effectual fervent prayer of somebody or so and so. It is the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous individual that avails much. That is very important. And it's not there on accident. It does matter who's praying. It does matter who's praying. Look at what the scripture says. Psalm 66. I want to read to you a scripture that ought to bring all of us onto the straight and narrow way. And if you're wondering why you lack power in your prayers, let me help you in the name of the Lord. Not to condemn you, but to help you so that you can begin having power in your prayers. Psalm 66, and we're going to read verse 16. Come and hear all ye that fear God, and I will declare what he hath done for my soul. I cried unto him with my mouth, and he was extolled with my tongue. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. 
But verily, hallelujah, God hath heard me. He hath attended to the voice of my prayer. Blessed be God, which hath not turned away my prayer, nor his mercy from me. David said this, ladies and gentlemen. Let me explain to you as he is saying this. Let me explain to you. He's not just theorizing, but, but, but he's explaining to us a principle about prayer. If you have unrepentant iniquity in your heart, it's a barrier between you and God. Let me make it more plain. If you have unrepented iniquity in your heart, God doesn't hear your prayers. And so you wonder why you say, I feel like the, the heavens are pressed. No, you just got iniquity in your heart. And you regarded iniquity in your heart and the Lord does not hear. You want to know why the psalmist David said this? The psalmist David said this not just because it's true and not just because he's giving us principle, but because he had experienced it. He understood from experience that when he prayed with an unrepentant heart, nothing happened. But when he prayed with a repentant heart, hallelujah, heaven moved on his behalf. You regard iniquity in your heart. It's a problem. God will not hear your prayer if you regard iniquity in your heart. And so you give him that iniquity. And you say, Lord God, take this iniquity from me. Take it far from me. God always hears the prayer of a repentant heart. God always hears the prayer of a contrite heart. A humble heart. Hallelujah. The Bible says Esau prayed and sought for repentance, a place for repentance. And he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. So what does that mean? That, let me tell you what that does not mean. That does not mean that Esau came to God with a humble heart and a contrite spirit. And he said, God, I release everything to you. I surrender all to you. Have your way in my life. And God said, nope, too late. Tough luck. That's not what that means. It's kind of like I heard about a, a guy whose children had goldfish, and he told them not to let them, told them not to have goldfish. They got them anyway, and he said, you'll never take care of them. And uh, they didn't, and the goldfish died. He said, see, I told you, and here they are floating in the water, dead water, and it was all stagnant, and he threw the goldfish in the toilet. And when the goldfish hit that fresh water, it started to, Swim. He said, nope, too late and flushed the toilet. Isn't that horrible? Isn't that horrible? That's not what God does. Hallelujah. If you hit that fresh water and come back alive, God's going to save you. Hallelujah. Glory to God. He wants to save you. He's not a mean God. That's not what it means when it says Esau looked for a place for repentance, sought for a place of repentance, and he found none, though he sought it carefully with tears. What that means is, is that Esau would cry, 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 but he would never humble his heart and turn. He would never depart from iniquity. The scripture says, depart from iniquity. Depart from evil. Seek peace and pursue it. You've got to turn from your wicked ways. You've got to leave that junk behind you and walk on to meet the Lord. You've got to 
Repentance is not feeling bad. Repentance is not just getting all emotional and wishing you hadn't and wishing you weren't and wishing you could stop. Repentance is saying, whatever I got to do, I'm turning from my wicked ways and I'm departing from iniquity. Hallelujah. If you'll depart from iniquity, praise God, then your prayers are unhindered. Your prayers are unhindered. Notice what 1 Peter chapter 3 says. You can be participating in iniquity and not even realize you're participating in iniquity. This is why you have to pray prayers like David prayed when he said, Lord, cleanse thou me from secret sins, hidden faults. Because there are faults hidden even from you. Faults you have that you don't know you have. Faults that I have that I don't know I have. Faults in my spirit I feel perfectly justified in having, but they are hindering me in my prayer relationship with God. And God can't, listen, do you know why God can't hear it? Because the scripture says the carnal mind is enmity against God. God resisteth the proud. But he giveth grace to the humble. If you're proud and, you're, and you have this fault inside of you. And nobody's going to tell you to deal with that. And nobody's going to get down in there and tell you how to handle that. That's pride. God resists that and God resists you. But if you're humble about it. And say, I'm going to tell you what, if it's not pleasing to God, I'll lay it all down. It doesn't matter how precious it is, it is to me. It doesn't matter how much it means to me. It doesn't matter if it's a part of my history, a part of my background. If it's not pleasing to God, I'll lay it down now. I want to be crucified with Christ. I want my flesh crucified with the affections and the lusts thereof. That's humility. God gives grace to that and God gives grace to you. Hallelujah. So 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse number 8. Pardon me, verse number 7. The scripture says, Likewise, you husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. Brethren, did you know if you're not treating your wife right, your prayers are hindered? If you're not treating your wife, that's iniquity. Because you're Christ, she's the church. If you're not treating her the way Christ treats the church, your prayers will be hindered. My God have mercy. And we're just going around, we'll pray when we want to. We'll, 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 we'll throw up a little prayer every now and then. And, and if, we, if we're able to slam on the brakes in time before we rear in somebody, we'll come to a screeching halt and say, thank you, Jesus. Maybe. I hope that's what comes out of your mouth. We're not prayerful enough. My God in heaven, God forbid that this world has to deal with a prayerless church. God forbid that lost souls have to deal with prayerless apostolic Pentecostals. The same people who know what it's like for a building to be shaken by the power of their prayers. Glory to God. I'm going to tell you something. Start treating your wife right. 
Start treating each other right in the home. Start being kind one to another so that your prayers are not hindered. So that when you go to God, God's not saying, listen, I, I want to move on your behalf, but you got a bunch of stuff that you're proud about, a bunch of stuff that you won't let me deal with, and I can't move in your life until you begin to give me this junk, give me this garbage. If you'll give me this stuff, then I can begin to move. Now listen. Most of the time when you go to God and start asking him to move on people's lives, anybody ever gone to God and say, God, do this, do that, touch them, bless them, strengthen them, and change them, change them? How many times have you prayed? Change his heart, change her heart, change his mind, change her mind, change the way he acts, change the way she acts. Most of the time when you pray that, God will do some change in it, but it will be in you. Hallelujah. And he'll give you some kind of a direction in the way that you can begin to be the child and vessel of God he wants you to be. <laughs> Cleanse thou me, Lord, from secret sins and from hidden faults. Lord, deliver me from presumptuous sins. Oh, God, how many times have you prayed? How many times recently? We need to be doing it every single day. God, cleanse me. Take it far from me. Remove it from my mind. Remove it from my spirit. Remove it from my heart. Listen, we don't, this life is scary to live without the power of prayer. This life is a difficult life to live without the power, the effectual, fervent, availing power of prayer. Oh, hallelujah. Give your family the gift of a praying loved one. Give your workplace the gift of a praying colleague. Give your spouse the gift of a praying spouse. Give your children the gift of a praying parent. Give your parent the gift of a praying child. Hallelujah. Come on, give, give the world the, a, a gift of a praying church. Give your community the gift of a praying neighbor. Hallelujah. Somebody who's not afraid to say, God, anything that will hinder my access to you, I repent of it. I turn from it. Reveal it to me. Expose it to me. Correct me. Hallelujah. So that I can be pure in your sight and avail the resources of God. Hallelujah. Could we lift up our hands to the Lord right now and bless his holy name? Come on, let's bless his holy name. Oh, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Let's stand to our feet right now in the presence of the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. If you're not treating your wife right, if you're not treating people right, it's going to hinder your prayers. If there's iniquity in your heart, and the Bible says, iniquity that you regard. This is, this is iniquity that you are allowing in your life. Oh my God, have mercy. Is there, is there some iniquity that you're allowing? You, you know it's not right, but you're kind of allowing it. You're kind of approving of it, because just as long as nobody knows about it, then we're good. No, your prayers are hindered. David said, the Lord will not hear me. So he dealt with it. He dealt with it. He got it repented of. He began to lay it down before the Lord. And then he said, and, but he hath heard me. And he attends to the voice of my prayers. The scripture talks about when Daniel was, when Daniel was in captivity. 
and he began to pray. The Bible says that he prayed, and while he prayed, that uh, he prayed and, and weeks went by and nothing happened. And the Bible says that the Lord had dispatched an angel and Gabriel came to, to minister a message to Daniel. While Gabriel was on his way, he was met by the prince of Persia. You better know there are principalities and powers at work against your prayers and my prayers. You better know that. There's a prince of this city. There's a prince. There are principalities and powers. And a, a prince of Persia stopped Gabriel and, and basically said, show me your papers. Gabriel, the Bible says, was withstood by the prince of Persia and had to call on Michael, the archangel, for help. Now, when I first read that as a child, I had this mental image of Gabriel coming down and, and oh, here comes the prince of Persia. They get into a wrestling match and they start, you know, throwing each other around the room. And, and then Gabriel, you know, was no match for the prince of Persia, so he had to call on Michael, the archangel, to come. And, and I got to thinking, Lord, why don't you just go ahead and send Michael, the archangel, when I need an angel? I mean, Gabriel's great, but, but when I need, when you send me an angel, send me Michael. But that's not how it was. It wasn't, a, it wasn't a carnal battle. It was a spiritual battle. And more specifically, it was a jurisdictional battle. Because basically what the prince of Persia was saying was, look, Daniel's in Persia. He's not in the temple of the Lord. He's not in Jerusalem. And, and, and he's, his prayers have to be filtered through me. And Gabriel was saying, you don't understand. He is a child of the Most High God. And he can pray anywhere at any time, and God can hear his prayer. And because there, weren't, there, wasn't a, there was not a submission to that, he had to bring in Michael, who was, the scripture says, the chief prince of Israel. So Michael was the chief prince of Israel, and he came in and explained with more expertise, evidently, the jurisdictional authority of prayer between God and his people. And so Gabriel finally gets to Daniel and said, the moment you started praying, the Lord dispatched me, but I was withstood by the prince of Persia. So folks, let me tell you something. The moment you start praying unhindered prayers, when you get your heart right, that's what you need to do right away, tonight. Lord, I want to get my heart right. I want to pray unhindered prayers. Hallelujah. I want iniquity to be bound and cast out of me in the name of Jesus Christ. I want sin, hallelujah, to be cast out of me in the name of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, I want it all taken down. I repent of it. I turn from it. I depart from it in Jesus' name. And I pray now to you, Lord, with a pure heart and a humble spirit, oh God. And let me tell you something. The moment you start praying to God like that, it's effectual. It's fervent. It's coming from a righteous person. It avails much. You should never be afraid to pray to the mighty God of heaven. Hallelujah. And call upon him to move on your behalf. He will send angels right away. He will begin working right away. In Jesus' name. Could somebody come right now to the front of this house and say, Lord, I'm gonna, I want to purify my heart right now. Spirit of the living God, I want you to purify my heart. I want to depart from iniquity. Hallelujah. I want to depart from iniquity and turn from my wicked ways. I want to be effectual and fervent in my prayers. Hallelujah. I, I want to pray the kind of prayers that avail the power of God. I want to pray the kind of prayers, hallelujah, that cause 
people's lives to be changed, souls to be saved. Hallelujah. Right now, all across this building, let's say, God, I give you my heart. I give you my soul. I give you iniquity. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on, every humble heart. I wanna be Every humble heart, Lord, I give it to you. Hallelujah.